ask yourself one question. Do I feel like it? What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Welcome to Pan and Scan Podcast. Hello, everybody. Hi, everybody. And welcome to episode nine of the Pan and Scan Podcast. Here we are. It's yes. me, Ben. And it's also me, John. Hi, guys. Hi, Ben. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Here for another exciting episode. Yes, general chit chat. You know, we're just going to throw the shit. That's right. And the fan, see what yeah. happens. <laughs> there is a fan in here, which is which is definitely a welcome. Yeah, I mean, listeners might be hearing that in the background, and if you do, it's just because it's sweltering in this, it's in this a place. Little, it's a little bit warm, yeah. It's very small in the studio, so uh, you'll have to just bear with us, I'm afraid. Yeah. Um, but that out of the way, how how are we, Ben? I think we're good. Oh, okay. How are we? <laughs> I don't know how you are, but I'm all right. Yes. Been up too much? Been up too much. Um... No, been watching a few films because the weather. Well, the weather got good. So the weather got good. So we didn't didn't get out. But then, luckily for us, the weather's got bad for the last few days. So we've been able to catch up with other films that we weren't able to watch. That's right. As soon as the sun comes out, I stay in and <laughs> put the telly on and just watch some DVDs because uh, I'm allergic to the sun and I like to keep myself very pale. That's right. So like a goth kid from yeah. the South Park. A bit like that. With a the bit floppy like hair. That. I'm doing. I'm I'm doing the action. Anyway, um, <laughs> I hope the listeners enjoyed the, the 80s action movie episode last week, Ben. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I don't know about I did. You. Yeah, I did. And we've got a couple of comments on it on Facebook. So yeah, yeah. Like you guys liked it, so we'll uh, we'll do another show like that. We'll do another well, another genre one. Oh, I think there's so. Loads of other th- there's loads of other genres in the 80s that made the 80s good. Oh, Not God, just yeah. action films, so you've got... It's, it's a mine wealth oh, of yeah, plunder. Oh, yeah, There's going to be a lot, so... Uh, but yeah, I enjoyed that. So, uh, I mean, it, we seem to get a good reception, so I think we should maybe go and do another decade. Yeah. Possibly do 90s or 70s or something like that. Yeah. But we'll see, you know, we'll see what happens in That's the future. It. We evolve. Indeed. Yes. Ever-changing. And we uh, we bow down to it, anybody that gives us uh, feedback. That's right, yeah. <laughs> Anything you want us to talk about, we'll talk about. Yes, we're, uh, yeah. So... The Dark Knight Rises, Ben. Yes, we ended the last show. Yes, um, indeed. As we were off to see The Dark Knight Rises, we went for another midnight showing. Well, it was a late night showing. Was it a late night showing? It was half eleven. It was half eleven. But it was on the Friday, so it had been out for the Friday and we saw it. We still called it first day, but uh, half eleven that night. So. Yeah. So, yeah. We had we had work the next morning, but uh, we're dedicated yeah, Nolan fans. Mean, that's so it. It doesn't mean anything. Nothing's going to stop us. Something's more important. So And it's for the podcast as well, for the listeners out that's there. Right. We, we had to, we're dedicated. We put, so. we put ourselves out for you. There we go. I'd, I'd, uh, we had footlongs. We did. They were Hot huge. Dogs. There we Hot go. dogs. Absolutely huge. And a large popcorn. <laughs> yeah. Just to, I'm just trying to immerse the listeners to, in the to experience. Dip, to dip your footlong in. To dip my footlong in. Yeah. So, uh, yes. The third in the trilogy, Ben? That's right. It's uh, it's the end of the Nolan trilogy. It's the end of an era. That's it. It's something that, because we had uh, 2005, 2008, and then we had quite a, quite a big gap, really, sizable gap, four years between yeah. uh, The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises. And it's been it's been a long four years, I think, because it ended it, in... Because the way that The Dark Knight ended, you knew it was all going to kick off. You knew it had all gone quite badly for everything, and... 
and Batman takes the fall for Harvey and, and it's like well yeah. what is he what is he going to be and he becomes that, that symbol that, 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 that thing that only Batman can be and it left a lot of questions which we're going to need answering and how of what happens next yeah how does Batman come back to the world that's right to Gotham yeah and so. um, yeah it, it definitely answers a lot of questions it's, it's one of those where it does tie up as much as it can <coughs> unlike certain films yeah um, we? well yeah if we're still playing the drinking game <laughs> I, did, I did say to John the other day that uh, um, The Dark Knight is what I kind of wanted Prometheus to be um, so in terms of a resolution or yeah. you know answering questions that have been previously you know That's thrown right. out by another film now, obviously yeah. there are as with a, 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 an end of an era trilogy it's the last one there are a lot of a lot of questions and a lot of answers so but we'll, we'll skirt around a lot of the answers because obviously you guys have got to go out and see it we don't want to spoil anything for you but um, I can't imagine anybody's not seen this film yet though. well yeah I know it's been out what, about five days now yeah, it's been about a week. Yeah. So I mean, it's I don't know. I can't imagine somebody who, being a film lover or a Batman fan, wouldn't have seen this movie. Well, that's it. It's it's the biggest movie of the summer. Um, there's been a few different um, superhero films out. We've had Avengers, we've had Spider-Man, we've had uh, Dark Knight Rises, and Dark Knight Rises is the most realistic of the three, um, and it has that kind of feeling where it's it's more grown up than the other two. Yeah, it's it's a comic book movie for adults. It's, it, yeah. it's being a Christopher Nolan film. It's definitely a well planned out, well thought through and structured movie. Yeah, every um, Christopher Nolan film is. Well, that's it. And so. um, the cool thing is with this is, it was I was always wondering how he was going to bring Bane and Catwoman into it and keep it rooted in reality, um, because obviously Bane in in the comic books and in the uh, the Batman that film, the film. That we, we don't talk about um, <laughs> is this super natural monster huge guy he's in like a steroid pumping yeah he's full of this and stuff like that so yeah he's uh, um, so, so it's how, how he's going to portray someone huge but have it where someone could actually be as big as he is and also with Catwoman is how would you bring her into it without it being the Halle Berry, Berry well, mistake. Or, there's a legacy the, there. There's a legacy it. to the album. So, so how do you bring it in? And I've got to say, he does a really good job with both of them. Um, they are, they are people who could you could imagine to be real, um, the real villains in, in real life. So, so he definitely does a good job of that. I think there was a high bar made um, from the previous Batman film with the Joker as yeah. a bad guy, as a, as, a, as as the you know the protagonist or whatever. It, it's it set the bar so high, and I think Bane. Did a really good job yeah. of keeping. I don't think it exceeded it, no. but I think it, 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 it's it, he was as good as but the Joker. I, I think that's it. I think the the, the problem will always <laughs> come that um, with Heath Ledger passing after the uh, well before the Dark Knight came out, his his performance was elevated before he before anybody had seen it. Yeah, and he was obviously given uh, a it was just one of those things where he was going to be it, it was going to be bigger than him. And the role right. was was so much bigger. We got posthumous Oscar. Um, nothing was going to really touch that because there was so much, so many emotions attached to that character anyway. Yeah, definitely. Um, because you know that that's that he died well before it came out. So anybody had a was going to have trouble living up to that Joker. Mm -hmm. um, but I th but like I say, I think Bane did a good job. I think um, 
Who's the actor? Uh, as Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy. Yeah. Yeah. And if you've seen like Bronson, um, where he's huge in that, he and uh, he's a badass. He's massive. This guy, and you, and the crazy thing is, if it's all real, that he is actually as huge as he is. He can play a huge menacing character like that, but it shows the the sort of diversity of Tom Hardy, where he yeah. can also play sort of in the role in, in Inception. He can play yeah. this very eloquent well put together sort of gentlemanly character as well yeah. he's got a lot of range and there's, I think we've got so much more to see from Tom Hardy definitely um, I think it's going to be something he's going to be one to watch um, definitely because he's, he, he's someone who seems to be um, uh, he's so he's so into the in, into his craft it's, it's what yeah. he is he, he will sacrifice everything for a role I remember seeing him on, on TV on the Jonathan Ross show and, and he, he usually plays these very eloquently you know he, characters and, and, and whatnot and then you see him on, on, on an interview and he's very very uh, nervous and yeah. very sort of rubbing his hands together and he's very cockney as well yeah very street talking kind of bloke you don't yeah. expect it no and that just that just shows the acting range he has because you, you'd never in a million years think in reality he'd be that way and I think it's it's amazing to get him and Christian Bale in the same film when he's someone who love him or hate him as a, as a gravelly Batman he's he's is exactly the same when we think about the machinist of what he gave up to be in that film and, and oh, yeah, yeah. how much he sacrificed his to, body for, sacrificed his body to be like that um, to have two people who would who sacrifice so much for a role you know you kind of can see what kind of caliber of, of, of actor Christopher Nolan can attract so um, I think it was good and I think they played off each other really really well um, uh, Nolan did keep the uh, voice going there didn't he yeah, he did. Yeah, well, that's it. Batman continues to have this voice, but it was. But it, yeah. I think you have to. I think at this point, it's yeah. it's, it's done and done deal. So well, that's it. So. And and you kind of because because there's a lot of Bruce Wayne in this film. Um, it, you get the kind of contrast, and it is almost you can set them apart as two people because you've got how how he talks as Bruce and how he talks as Batman. It's it's all part of the menacing Batman that is that that he's trying to be. So. You can kind of forgive him for it. You can kind of accept that that's why it is and why he is what he is. So, so yeah, you, you, I think if you're not used to it after two films, then and, and then you'll never get used to it. It's really funny because uh, speaking of voices in in, in this film, um, it was interesting because the the, the original trailer um, that I think we played on the show a few shows um, ago, it, it it showed that Batman was talking to Bane and Bane was saying, you know. I will break you and then I will yeah. give my permission to die that yeah. famous line and it's a very dark and deep and gravelly voice and then obviously the voice we get in the actual film is a completely different voice because it is. I think there was a decision last minute to change the actual dubbing of the voice because of the I think they had complaints of not being able to understand him yeah and I don't think the they wanted to have um, subtitles or anything like that so it's a it's a different voice um, it's still Tom Hardy and it's and it's it's still, it's still masked to a certain point, but it's a bit, it's a bit like Darth Vader. I think you can imagine the way that he speaks because it's like through uh, like a vocoder device. It's, yeah, you get that kind of like. There's a realism there because he's speaking yeah. through a mask. It's the same reason with uh, people complain about the Batman voice, and mm. I, I, I shared the same sort of complaints. But then thinking about it, if you were a person just putting a costume on, you'd have to mask your voice, and yeah. you'd have to put a, a silly, maybe a deep gravelly voice on Wales yeah. you're not going to do a squeaky voice I'm that's Batman it. you're not going to yeah, do that's that that's it yeah. so it makes sense it yeah. keeps to a realism that no one always sets the bar to so. that's it but it says but Bane's voice it's a strange voice it's an odd 
it's hard to describe. It's yeah. it's it's one of those when a when very elevated, eloquent voice yeah. coming through this big bruising monster of a man. And when he's the first time he speaks, uh, I, I, to be honest, I didn't really get it. I thought, oh dear. I, I was it, yeah. I don't know if I really like that, but the more it went on, you understood the character that he was, and that he is, he is this mad, crazed, evil guy, but he's perfectly with it and very, very smart guy and knows exactly what he's doing. He's he's uh, a member of the League of Shadows, so he's got he's gone through exactly the same training as Batman did and Bruce Wayne did. Um, under Ra's al Ghul, you've got so he's he's yeah. so he's the he's come from the same place. So he's obviously you, you can't be a street thug and be part of the League of Shadows. You have to be more than that, and he, that's why he is um, Batman's alter. Um, he's, there is that's why they work so well together. They play off each other so well because they're basically the same person, mm -hmm. um, and with both they both got their own ideals, but they don't. But they don't necessarily. Crossover. It's uh, that's why they work out so well as a as a, right. a villain and hero kind of situation. Yeah, two halves of the same coin. That's it. Yeah. Again, back to the voice. Just for another moment, I I always love the the cold sort of inflection and the sort of there's like a high pitched thing that kicks at the yeah. end of every sentence. You know, yeah. I think when he's about to blow up the football field and yeah. the, the little boy singing at the pedestal, yeah. the, the national anthem, and he just sort of goes something like. What a lovely voice! Yeah, and it's just so cold, and he just yeah. states the thing, and then he detonates the bomb, and it's just, yeah. it's it's it puts a it puts goosebumps on your skin yeah. where he sort of because just, he is he's cool, calm, and collected throughout the entire. Oh yeah, he's completely he's, in control. Whereas 100%. he's the complete opposite to the Joker, where he talks about um, I'm a dog chasing cars, I wouldn't know what to do if I caught one. Mm -hmm. Whereas Bane. <laughs> Is a dog chasing cars and knows exactly what he's going to do with it. <laughs> he's going to he, he knows exactly. Yeah. He has got. There is. There is a plan that he is following to the letter. Yeah. And um, with the Joker, it was chaotic. He had a plan, but it kind of just it went wherever it went. Um, it just was out to cause chaos. Whereas Bane is doing pretty much the same thing, but he has an outcome and he knows how he wants it to end and what was going to happen. Yeah. So they're they're very opposite, but they pretty much come to the same kind of conclusion but go in completely different ways. I think, um, like I said, I, I enjoyed Anne Hathaway's performance as the Catwoman. Yeah. I think it's uh, it's sort of crafting the Catwoman into the character she always should have been. Yeah. You know, that kind of streetwise... Uh, uh, is she a prostitute? No. Or a, 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 what would you call her, a lady of leisure? <laughs> Maybe she's she's definitely after. Um, she's streetwise. She's um, she, yeah, she has she, gentleman callers and things yeah, like that. But, but whereas, but it's very subtle. It's yeah, not because she's she's after. She knows what she's after. I think in this one, she's she wants, she's perceptive. Yeah, if she wants if she wants somebody's jewels, then she'll go out with a go out the guy who's got some. Yeah, and steal them and bugger off that kind of thing. So. She she's she's quite wily and she knows what she wants and she'll go and get it and um, she's got quite a she's a, a predator yeah and she's got a, a serious duality as well in the fact that you you've got the she she, she her alter ego whereas you've got Batman who is the, the 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 hard he's the hero he's he's put himself out for everybody and and then he's a real man as Bruce Wayne whereas she's completely opposite way in her she's ruthless 
and her alter ego is is uh, quite it's, it's like a, a scared little girl she kind of puts that on to try and win people over and right yeah deceptive so, yeah so that's her deceptive side my, my only my only problem with the character is that I think she was sort of underused and in and the, the whole the, the one thing is that I really enjoyed this film but I would say that there are a lot of characters in this film yeah and it does it is a very long movie I mean it's yeah. almost like what three hours nearly three hours that's long it. or whatever and to me it felt very um, bulked out whereas the previous film is very it's a very lean you know very to the point yeah you, you get just what you need with that film and this one I felt was just a bit sort of bulked out with characters and there's a, like a good three or four characters that you could easily cut completely out of the film mm. the only thing is I think Catwoman is one of those characters but it's unfortunate because she plays such a good role yeah but she doesn't get enough to do and like I say she's almost not necessary to the, the plot of the film yeah. really and there's an uh, the other female character, the other bad guy as well. She could completely be cut out of the film, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, uh, um, but we won't say any more about it. It's a serious spoiler alert. Yes. That one. So, but she was. But in, in my opinion, she was. Uh, I, mean, I don't even know what the character's name is now. I can't yeah. remember. She's she plays a sort of semi love interest with Bruce Wayne for a certain amount of the film, and she's completely unnecessary. Yeah, and so it's yeah, a shame. It doesn't doesn't really it it adds something to it. It's, actually, she could be. She doesn't have to be in the film. It does. It does take it a different way and bring other things back to try and tie them all together. But if we think really that um, when this all started out, it wasn't going to be a trilogy. It was Batman Begins was a standalone film, and you kind of see where you went. It wasn't like now where you. It wasn't like when we were talking about in the previous show where you sign up for three films from the get go. Right. This one was a, actually a, a single film, and once it got it right, it's like, oh, okay, well, shall we do more? And well, Nolan then, was never a, a sequel director. No. He never made. He wasn't. A, he didn't make sequels. No. You know, he made so, standalone films. So. That's it. So I think really, this character who won't talk, I won't say a name or anything because I'll give anything away. Kind of just ties everything together. Mm. Um, so, so yeah, it's 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 necessary in a way to tie it to the first film, but there are. Do we? Do you really need to tie it all the way back to the first film now? Yeah, I think the film could be cut. It could be a, a sleeker. It could be yeah. cut down a bit to make it a bit like a sharper and a bit tastier, you know. But I mean, it it, it is a good film and it it, mm. it doesn't drag at all. No, I think the the big the first I don't know I'd say the first twenty five minutes of the movie, not a lot happens and you don't see a lot of Batman either in this movie. No, to be no, fair. no it is more a Bruce Wayne film. It is more Bruce Wayne. It's, film. it's more following him um, as. He attempts to. It's, it's what he's basically trying to do is is what he meant trying to do in the Dark Knight, which was he was looking for a way out. Mm -hmm. He decided that, well, it was for Rachel in the last film, and um, he wanted to to finish things so he could settle down and, and move away from the Batman and looking for someone else. Um, so it's it's a continuation of that. It is eight years later, mm. and there hasn't and Batman has been gone for eight years. Yeah, and um, the crime has been virtually eradicated. In yeah, due to um, Harvey, Harvey Dent's law. Um, yeah. So, so basically, we're back to nothing, which is um, which is the premise of why there is of, of why Bane comes back in, 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 or, or chooses Gotham is because of, uh, of this law. Um, but I tell you what, the, we talk about characters that were uh, that were unnecessary. The one character, if you can call it a character, that was missing for me was was the people of Gotham themselves because really? I don't feel that I didn't ever through a lot of the film it didn't really feel like it was a city that had 
think it's supposed to have like 30 million people in this city. <laughs> really? And you didn't feel that it and had I didn't feel that there were people there. At it, stake. It, it felt like it felt very much like there was there was no one there. It was an empty city. Um, you get to you do see flashes of people, but um, you don't you know you don't really get the massive crowd scenes. You don't get the like if you think of the Dark Knight when they have when the um, uh, I think it's the commissioner when he's having when they have the uh, uh, funeral for him and there's people lining the streets mm. um, and loads of people marching and things like that. And you've got a lot of people. Apart from the scene where they've got the um, you know, the football stadium, I think that's the most people you see uh, throughout it. I think there isn't that part of the plot that there's a part where Bane takes control of Gotham and puts it under martial law, so everybody's yeah. sort of they hide in their homes, kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and you kind of get and and I get that. I get that they're kind of inside, but it just never felt like there were that many people there. It felt like a complete ghost town, and. And there were the school kids and the vicar. Yeah, and and that, and that was it. it those, <laughs> those the people that were there. There is, there, it's it seemed like a very, like a very small amount of people. And for example, we you know at one point there are, we know that there are three thousand police, Gotham police, trapped underground at one point. Yeah. But and when they do they do come out, then it never really felt like there were three thousand people. It just felt like there were. A few people in the street facing off against another few people in the street. It was, it felt like a couple of hundred, but it never felt like three thousand. Uh, yeah, and, I think. Yeah, I think I know what you mean. Um, and, and that's that's the kind of thing that only only changed it for me because in in the Dark Knight there was always people in peril. There was always something like when the bars were packed, when um, when um, you got the jokers, jokers on the telly, yeah. telling people to to get out, but don't go by the by the tunnels and, 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 the, and the bridges. They have, they have a big problem with tunnels and roads and these <laughs> bridges yeah. in these films. Yeah. So, so there's that kind of thing. And they, and but they felt like there were a lot of people there, and there were a lot of people trying to escape, and there were a lot of people on the boats, and there were just like I say, a lot of people lining the streets when um, when there's that guy who's threatening to tell people who Batman is. Um, the Joker yeah, tells somebody to kill yeah. him, and there's people everywhere, everywhere. Whereas it just didn't feel like there was the same kind of, of um, it was the same kind of thing where the city was almost brought to a standstill by the Joker, one man, who right. may or may not do something. Whereas you've now got Bane, who is part of a militia, and he's got his, his, and he's got however many people in his army, and you just never see anybody, and. Uh, well, yeah, you can you can say, and rightly so, that it's martial law. They're supposed to stay in the houses, never really come out. But it always felt too quiet for me, mm. and that was the only thing that I missed was was a lack of crowd scenes in this one. Uh, I suppose it, it would, yeah, I I understand what you're saying because you want to feel like there's more jeopardy mm. when things are happening, when there's a bomb or there's a fight sequence, yeah. or especially like I say, when when the, when it's brought up that they say that Gotham has 30 million people in the city. And you only see a, a, a small handful of people. Whereas you could, I could have imagined in the Dark Knight there being, if they said thirty million, I could imagine that there were a lot of people in there because you see a lot of them, but mm. you never really kind of never really get that many people in this film. I mean, along similar sort of lines, it, it, I think it's interesting because um, I think this film, I don't know if it's 
being the third in, in, in a tri the final in a trilogy that it seemed to there were a lot more stretches of you have to sort of suspend your disbelief to a mm. certain extent I think a lot more than in any other of the Batman films before it there's a lot of sequences I mean just the whole um, notion of the whole city being under martial law and there's tanks and uh, there's the prisoners are controlling Gotham now and just very big a very big story a very sort of almost over the top story you know and especially with Bane as well how powerful he is I mean he yeah. kicks through things he kicks through walls and things like that I mean there's a lot of like it's more it's almost more of a, this is the most comic book movie out of all three of the films yeah. not not necessarily in a negative it's just something oh no that, and this is this is it it's it's a very good film but unfortunately it had to follow the dark knight yeah and true there is, and there weren't many films which are going to follow that. I'd say that The Dark Knight was the best Batman film ever made. Yeah. And debatably the best, one of the best superhero movies ever made. I say it, it was, it's, it really is, and I think that that's that's the the only detriment to The Dark Knight Rises that it had <clears> to follow such a, a such a big film, such a such a hyped film, and one with such a um, so, so many iconic characters, and it involved the death of Heath Ledger. You, how in, how in the hell do you follow that? And, <laughs> and no matter what it did, it was ne it was never going to live up to that. But like I said, I loved this film. Yeah, I, I think I, it's brilliant. Yeah, I, th I thought it was a, a brilliant film. I'm really impressed with it. Um, I don't really know what more Norman could have done with it. He had to, he's going to have he had to try and pack things up really and get everything done. But the ending is a bit of a head scratcher really. Um, not so much in the fact that. It doesn't tell you how it ends. It's just, is that how you would end a film? Mm -hmm. Now, really, I don't. So I'd really love to get into this, but I don't yeah. know if we can spoil it. That's the only thing. Unless we throw a spoiler, we can talk about it. Well, that's it. We'll get. I tell. I tell you what, John. <laughs> what we should do is we'll put we'll put a timestamp on it. We'll okay. Tell, so, what time are we at, John? Uh, twenty-six minutes. Okay, at twenty-six minutes. Um, if you want to skip on, we'll. We'll um, we'll drop something back in here and say if yeah. not, not skip to whatever and we'll get past this bit. Give us five minutes to so say thirty yeah. minute mark. That's fine. Okay. So, <laughs> so here we go. So the ending to the. So the ending. It is. It's an odd one because we're early it's, on. It's brave of Nolan to have done an ending that has never been done in any other Batman movie. That's it. And the ending oh. is there is no Batman. The Batman finishes and he goes and. Bruce Wayne yeah. gives up being Batman and decides and, and, and to live decides, his life. Yeah, and lives and lives away. That's it. He 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 goes, um, and that's and that's an odd way for it to go because you do think you're going to get the ending, which you which you kind it's kind of been hyped up, which is the you you think the Batman's going to die. You, yeah. You, you kind of you you kind of get the build up that Bane's going to kill him. He's going to break his back, which he does, um, but that doesn't kill him, um, and he comes back, and. Batman does save save Gotham, and he um, he saves it from the from the nuclear reactor bomb, and you you assume he's dead. You assume because he takes it yeah. out over the bay, and you assume he dies. Assume he gets um, blown up. But there'd been a scene earlier on with um, with Alfred where he says that every every year when um, Bruce was away, um, he went he took himself on holiday and sat sort of sat, sat, sat in a restaurant yeah. and ordered the same drink, and he imagined. That Bruce was sat. That he he all he wanted to do and all he imagined he was seeing was Bruce sat there with a wife and a couple of kids and he said we'd look yeah, at each other and we'd 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 know each other but we wouldn't say anything and and I'd know that you were happy and you'd know that I was okay and that's it. Um, 
And that is how the film ends. Now, whether that's actually how the film ends or not, is that's the kind of only thing which is open to interpretation, which is, is that actually how it ended, or is that how we'd like it to end? We would like it to Bruce does go or does Alfred actually go and actually yeah, see Yeah, I mean it, it cuts from Alfred crying at the grave of Bruce Wayne yeah. and, and, and you know, the Bruce Wayne family, which is quite an, an emotional scene and there's yeah. a lot of emotional scenes with Alfred or at least a couple yeah. that are really good. He's um, brilliant, he's, he's so, yeah, Michael, so good. Michael Michael Caine. Caine is such a brilliant actor. Um, cuts from that for him right at the end of the movie he's at the restaurant he looks over and he sees Bruce Wayne with Selina Kyle, Catwoman. Um, why he'd be with her, I don't know. He couldn't trust her as far as he could throw her. Well, no. It's in, he keeps believing in her throughout the film, then, doesn't he? That was another stretch that bothered me slightly about the movie, that he put too much faith in Selina Kyle for yeah. no real reason. And, he's, and he got bit several times. Yeah. Um, by stealing, his, stealing necklaces, stealing fingerprints. Um, she delivers him to Bane at one point. It's like... He's obviously looking for the good, you know, and he kind of can see it. And um, but I suppose that's what Batman is. He's he's he's, kind of, he's he's the person who's got those ideals and can see these things. Whereas, to be honest, I wouldn't. <laughs> but um, I tell him to tell him run. But I mean, so you know, that's a bit of a stretch. The ending as well, because you know, he just happens to have been at the restaurant at the same time, yeah. at the same place, or has Bruce Wayne sort of yes, so negotiated it all, so he sees him. But exactly. I mean, you know, you can pick that to bits, yeah. but. And um, we've had um, one person we haven't really mentioned is um, the character is uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character. Um, he plays Blake, who's um, like a, he's a cop. He's a, he works for the Gotham City Police Department. He's um, he's an orphan, so he kind of relates to Bruce, and he says that he's met Bruce before, um, and he tells Bruce that he basically knows that he's Batman very early on in the film I, that's that's one scene that really stood out to me because it, to me it was a bit of a stretch he just sort of says well I'm an orphan you're an orphan I saw that look in your eye and I knew you were Batman because orphans put on a charade of being yeah. happy and smiling and yeah. I saw that in your eyes so I knew you were Batman and I just yeah. thought mm, oh, yeah okay then yeah so that's a bit of it's a bit of a stretch well yeah that's it so it's a bit a bit of a strange one in that kind of sense and he does play like the idealist he is um, he's yeah. looking for the right thing but um, he kind of he kind of falls out of love with uh, Gotham Police Department because he finds out that the Harvey Dent's law um, is based on a lie a lie basically yeah because it was put there because Harvey was the white knight um, but obviously we know what he turned into at the end and what he did to Jim Gordon's kids and, and family and whatever so um, so obviously it turns out that that's what Bane that's how Bane flips it all over and Joseph Gordon-Levitt Blake he believes the same thing he's like, but but in a different way he's, he feels like the, why, there is no justice it's all based on a lie and I'm supposed to uphold the law and how does it happen so but the, this he carries on and he's and he tries to save like people from his, from his um his, the orphanage the boys' home and, and he's the idealist and character in that. But um, he's basically the carbon copy of Bruce Wayne, there isn't yeah, he? He's like the, you know. That's it. And but the real stretch and the bit and I don't know whether it was to me it felt completely unnecessary for for saying that it is the third and not only said it is the last film, last film that he's going to. The last of his in. films, yeah. Um, was that at the end he goes to collect something from um, from the orphanage I think and 
they say, oh, you should use your your your, your real name, your birth name, which is Robin. And I, to be honest, I groaned at this point. I thought, oh, <laughs> really? It's like the father line in that film. Yeah, well, that's it. It's the same <laughs> thing. It's like you didn't need to. You you've, you don't you don't need to spell it out to us. I, I saw that coming at a mile off. Yeah. I've heard some people say, oh, I, I didn't even mm-hmm. suspect. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, it's, it's, it's obviously he's going to be that kind of a character. Yeah, so it kind of felt, it was one of those where you don't need, it's, we already know you don't need to slap us in the face with it. And at the end, after we see Bruce with Selena Kyle, um, Blake, Robin, manages to find the Batcave. Yeah. And that's where it ends. And... Okay, maybe not. It's leaving it so that it's your decision. How do you think? What happens next? Does does he take over? Does he take over the the cape and cow? Does he become Batman after that? Yeah. So there is always a Batman. Um, or will it be Nightwing or yeah, Robin? Or, or, exactly. And what's the point of throwing the Robin name out if he's not going to be the sidekick Robin of Batman? Yeah. So it was a bit of an odd one. Mm. It's, it's one of those where I didn't feel it was really necessary. I think that whole character is completely unnecessary in yeah. the movie. I don't think he actually brings anything. And also, if it is the final Chris, uh, uh, Christopher Nolan Batman film, what is the point in leaving yeah. that open? And I've heard I've heard rumours, and I think, to be honest, they're most of them started off by, by journalists more than anything else, but um, of a Catwoman spin-off. Um, but one, I don't think Nolan would direct it. <laughs> no, God, um, no. <laughs> You'd hope not. And... I don't know whether he'd want to give up his characters. I'm hoping he wouldn't want to. Because obviously he could go in as, as an executive producer and have someone else direct it. Yeah. But I don't know why he would. I'm kind of hoping that he doesn't. I've heard rumours that Christian Bell said he'll sign on for another yeah. Batman movie. That's so. it. He, I know that he said he would. Um, so but then he'd have wonder, to be Batman. Exactly. It makes you, but it makes you wonder where Warner will go with it. Because that's, that's the thing. Because the, we've, we talked about studios before. And obviously, Warner Brothers have just lost the Harry Potter franchise that's gone now. They've, they've wrapped it up, so that's finished. Oh dear. Um, Until she, no, but she's writing more books, isn't she? So. Uh, supposedly so. But even so, how long will it be till a film comes out? So yeah. things are going to be quiet for Warner Brothers in that kind of sense. The Batman trilogy is just just wrapped up. Um, so could they? Could they be? Could you trust them to say, no, that that was their vision, so we're going to leave it? Or could you see them saying? Executive produce a Catwoman film. Right. You can pick a director and we'll chuck some money at it. That'll probably be the way it goes. And yeah. And that's the, it's the thing that you kind of hope won't happen. Yeah. So, um, I mean, there the, the, the could be a Robin spin-off or a yeah. Nightwing spin-off and it just goes on in forever. Really. That's it. Um, it's, it just takes it away. It, it takes away what was, what what is probably the the best comic book character trilogy there has ever been. Oh, yeah. Um, and if you then run away and do, oh, well, this might happen and we'll have this character and we'll do this and we'll do that and try and... Obviously, they're not going to have the same budget, so it's going to look cheaper. Well, and, it's... Yeah, it's, I mean... It's not going to have the same... It's not going to have the same pull and it's never... No matter what you do, it's not going to stand up to to the calibre of these, of these three films. Yeah. So... I hope that whatever they decide and whatever direction they decide to take the, the next lot of movies which they will undoubtedly be yeah. that um, Christian Bale won't come back because then it will be linked to the Nolan trilogy That's and right. I'd rather just somebody start a new fresh yeah. and it will probably will be just another rehash because he's been a brilliant Batman he's been a really good Batman but he's Nolan's Batman and, and, Chris, and Christian Bale they're, 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 
that's that's their Batman now. Yeah. You shouldn't. You shouldn't. He shouldn't do Batman. Neither one should do Batman with the other. Without the other. Like you couldn't imagine Nolan doing a Batman without Christian Bale, and you couldn't imagine Christian Bale being Batman without Nolan directing. Yeah. So, yeah. So you kind of hope they don't. But um, I heard it. It will just be a a, a re another reimagining, mm. um, or another remake, and then it'll probably be a separate trilogy that will come up in the future by yeah. another director. And you know, that's it. And let's let's see what happens because it. it I know that that's something that um, um, has been has been said quite a lot about Batman. Is that Batman is the best reinvention? It's, it gets better with as you go because we've seen the origin so many times in yeah. the film, but. Each have got their own interpretation of it. It's not trying to be too much like a previous one or match up with it. We've all got this uh, their own interpretation. It's almost like it's almost like a myth. It's almost like a like a uh, like Chinese whispers that you that people people are telling <laughs> people are telling you um, this is how Batman became Batman, and it changes as you as you move down. And yeah. Different people interpret it in different ways, and and that's the good thing about Batman is that you can. There is there's the constant which is why he became Batman and that's always there but it's how we became Batman how we went from being the kid to being Batman and it will change again and there'll be something different and let's let's see what someone does with it next but I'm hoping that it gets a honeymoon period for a while so yeah, as hopefully. much as as much as I like the new Spider Man I really like the new Spider Man but it's, even though it was good it still felt too like that like wasn't just too, 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 soon. Too, too soon. We'd not we'd not fully got over yeah. an emo Spider Man. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, on that I think we'll end the discussion on Batman yeah. there, Ben. We, um good film, you know, yeah. not without its flaws, but uh you know, an apt apt yeah. uh, capping of the trilogy. That's it, yeah. It was it's a film where it does a, it does exactly what it's what it meant to do, which it wrapped everything up and love it or hate it, it it does give you the answers. It's not one where it's ambiguous in, in too much of a sense um, there are some parts which it still lets you imagine what happens next but it's not it doesn't not answer a question in the hope that it might get a fourth film or anything like that <coughs> Prometheus <laughs> exactly sorry I just sneezed there um, yeah. I apologise so yeah <laughs> there we go listeners but speaking of Warner Brothers okay, and, this, and, yes. this, and I know this is something you want to talk about as well um, The Hobbit indeed Indeed. Um, yes, Peter Jackson's The Hobbit. That's it. Um, the uh, two films. Yeah. Well, we say two. The two films, films Ben. That That's what I've been told. Um, as of yesterday or day before, we're talking about the very end of July. Um, right. Just, I think we spoke. I think even we spoke about it in the last show. We said that. With the, I think we we'd said that they they'd thought they'd filmed a lot of footage for the film. Yeah, I yeah. And I think we thought it was going to become a, a theatre. It would be just a theatrical cut and the extended cut. But now, um, Peter Jackson has said that there is so much extra footage that it's basically a th there is enough for a third film. <laughs> trilogy. <in the> <laughs> right. So it's going to become a trilogy. What do we say? We always say it, listeners. Yeah. Trilogy. Uh, it's all about the trilogy. We, we, the thing we is, did, we did that. We did a whole. I said hour that on the trilogies. And two we, films. We, I we said kinda, we, we thought we we kind of said that this wouldn't happen. Yeah. But it but it has. But it has happened. The thing is, I I was worried. Because I'm a massive Tolkien fan and, you know, a, a huge Peter Jackson fan. I mean, he inspired me to become, like, a filmmaker with uh, Bad Taste and uh, Brain Dead and all those yeah. great movies. Um, I've got to do a Peter Jackson episode. Yeah. That's got to happen. Um, keep it, keep listening out, listeners. Uh, that I, I said that I just... 
although I was really, really looking forward to The Hobbit, two movies on that small ch children's book is maybe padding it a bit. Yeah. And now we've sort of learned that the thing is, there's a, there's a really good YouTube uh, video, and it's all the uh, behind the scenes blogs. Yeah. Because obviously we're in the uh, world of the internet now, so uh, directors blog uh, the making of in segments. Yeah. And it's like really, it, really interesting. Yeah, brilliant. It, it, it's it's about an hour and ten minutes long, and it's all the blogs stitched together, and it's it's a pretty in depth look into the making of the Hobbit, even though it's not even out yet. Yeah. Um, so I recommend looking that up. Um, and there's one of the last couple of videos on there. Peter Jackson's face talking to the camera about completing the third block because the two movies were were filmed in three blocks. Um, Andy Circus being the second unit director as yeah, well, by the way. Right. I didn't know that. So no, I watched I those videos. Yeah. yeah, second unit director. So he's stepping up in the world. That's right, and and he's, he's a great person to do it, and it's a it's a good place for him to do it because he he knows the he's, he knows the character, he knows the material, he knows what's in there. So. Um, and he's, he knows how Peter Jackson directs after this, so with the Lord of the Rings that was filmed over however many years they're all back to back seven years yeah, you can't help but have it rub off on you so so he's done it so it's a great platform for him yeah but they were talking about how they'd locked on the third block because they filmed it in three segments and they, they were like yep done that's it it's all finished and it's off to the sort of editing suite now so yeah. To hear now that they're sort of thinking about breaking it into th three films, they're yeah. gonna have to rejig the whole sort of. Well, that's it. There are apparently there are, there's going to be there's the usual pickups and reshoots anyway once you go through the editing process. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, <coughs> but there's going to be an, an additional two months of filming wow. um, to get everything back. Now I've been reading a few bits about this because, like I said, like I said, it's a children's book. It's it's a small book compared to the yeah. um, to the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Um, it's smaller not... than any of the other volumes. And it doesn't it doesn't really lend itself to three films, um, but from what I what I gather um, or, or what people are speculating is that there's going to be look at it happen because in, in the book uh, Gandalf was there for very early on and then he disappears for much of the book. He pops in and out, yeah. yeah. And he doesn't really come again until the very near the end, really, or, or towards the end of the book. But obviously, a character like Gandalf is going to and, and but, how used we are to the Lord of the Rings characters. We, what we can't, what I don't think Peter Jackson can, what can let happen is Gandalf be there for part of the first movie and doesn't appear to the end of the third movie. Because I think then people will, like, you've got to get used to the characters again. So, um, from what I've gathered, there's going to be quite a lot of um, like the unfinished tales and Silmarillion and things like that. Spliced in, yeah, backstory, flashbacks. That's it, so it gives a bit more of what Gandalf was doing in the background rather than just disappearing off and coming in, coming in and telling people about it. Well, we already know that Kate Blanchett's going to make an appearance, she's, she's in the blogs, um, Orlando Bloom is going to be in them for a certain extent, and obviously like Elijah, Wood's, Elijah in Wood's in there. In there. Uh, there's going to be a lot of characters that aren't actually in the book to yeah, prefix some history to The Hobbit yeah. and some preludes to the Hobbit itself so, so no, just, they're just with the with the elves being evergreen they can they never really grow old that they're so easy to 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 drag into the film if you need to for a bit to of dragon dragon no, into the film see, see what I <laughs> hey. didn't even know it uh, but, <laughs> but yeah the, the crazy thing is and we're talking about Warner Brothers and, and this I'm hoping that um, the three films for Lord of the Rings will yeah. deter them from perhaps looking at another Dark Knight for a while or another another Batman film because they've now gone from 
wrapping up two Christmases. Yeah. So now wrapping up three Christmases, and they, you you know they're going to make some serious money out of it. You're going to get the Lord of the Rings crowd going to see it again. Um, you're going to get some big sales in Lord of the Rings. I can't wait. Lord, I'm so excited. Lord of the Rings has got to be re-released at the cinema when that comes out. You can already see it. So, so you can see the you can see the see Warner Brothers making some serious cash again. Oh, definitely. Um, so, again, like we've already said, you know, the, the money value you get from a trilogy is yeah. more than you get. I mean, you got three Christmases wrapped up there. That's it. And three build-ups every year. Yeah, for three years. So that's it, and and then you've got the next Christmas of the extended editions coming out on Blu-ray. You'll have the theatrical edition in the middle of the year. So so not only with the film coming out at Christmas, but the following Christmas you'll have a new film, and you'll have the Blu-ray, and you'll have everything. It's going it, it's going to be Warner Brothers. It's going to be Warner Brothers Christmas every Christmas <laughs> and every day because of because of what they've got. They're going to be smiling all the way to the bank. So so that's it. And I'm hoping that it doesn't compromise um, Peter the story basically. Story yeah. and that's it. And it's hopefully it wouldn't it wouldn't change anything. But and I suppose with the way that Lord of the Rings turned out, it was it it was left up to Peter Jackson to do it. So hopefully it'll be the same kind of thing. Hopefully there was, hopefully there's there's not been any pressure. For it to become three films, right. I know that through the blogs and through the um, yeah, questions with Peter Jackson, it was he told people that he had got a lot of footage, but he was quite happy for it to stick at two films. So yeah. I'm wondering. So I'm just hoping that it was his decision on looking at the footage that he said I want to make three films rather than one of the saying, yeah, you've got two full films and most of a third film. Just make something up to, to fill some space. And I'm hoping that didn't happen. I'm hoping it didn't, and I, and I, and I believe that, and I believe in Peter Jackson enough for him not to do that. Yeah, I believe in in the passion and the and the sort of love and craft he's got yeah. for the for the source material, and just him as a quality director as yeah. is as it stands, and the writing force. Um, who are the writers? How about Fran? Fran Walsh. Walsh yeah. uh, there's somebody else. That guy. Philippa something. Yeah. So so that. It's the, the good thing is that it's the same crew that's always been carried over from Lord of the Rings. Yeah, yeah. They did such a good job on that, and and it's the same people who are coming back to do it. Fran Walsh, Philippa, Philippa Bowens, and Peter Jackson. So there you go. It's one of those things where it's the same people who are doing the same thing. So you'd hope you couldn't imagine them being swayed by it. It's no. it took a while for Peter Jackson to even come attached to this project again because three years ago, before two years ago, before we started filming again. Um, Warner Brothers didn't want him to do it. New Line Cinema didn't want him to do it. They yeah. wanted something else. That, um, we looked at Del Toro was even it was even attached to it. And to be honest, I would have loved to have seen that. That would have been incredible. I would love to have seen yeah. that. But if he's not doing it, then you want to go back to Peter Jackson. Yeah. You don't want to just give it to some unknown director who's got a new face and yeah. who's not got the contacts. He's not and, and he's not not done this before. You've got what you got is you've got Peter Jackson who's who can bring back exact same crew and do everything the exact same way. Um, so that it'd be cool in that in that way. If, I think I would love to have seen a Del Toro version. Um, that would have been interesting. That would have been very very interesting yeah. indeed. Especially when you look at Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah, you know, and, and that sort of thing. Because so. that's it. He he's 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 the same kind of director in the in the way that a visionary definitely. Uh, exactly. That's that's the that's the best word you can use for it because that's what he he's someone who can see it and he um, and he's very much of, of like the physical kind of aspects of. of, of Acting and directing, he crafts and creates these these uh, monsters and figures, and and that's what's so cool about that guy, and and that's why they they stick together so much. 
So, so yeah, it would have been cool to see that. Um, maybe maybe Doctor could do a, a Dark Knight film. Dark Knight film. Could you imagine uh, okay. his his Batman? Imagine them trying to make a, a film adaptation of the Silmarillion. I don't know how Ouch. you would do it. I don't know how you could even do that. But that's what they said about the Lord of the Rings, then. <laughs> well, that's what yeah. they said. But a um, couple more things I just want to throw out about the Hobbit before we move on. Um, completely filmed in 3D. Yep. Uh, the the the, the um, illustrators even illustrated in 3D, which I thought was quite interesting. Did you know, know that, Ben? No, I didn't know that. Uh, I forget the bloody names. John Ho? Ho? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he did the original artwork. Yeah. The, the same the same illustrators came back and they did everything twice in blue and red amalgamated it together and um, there's, a, there's a portion where they show you some of the artwork and if you have 3D glasses which I do um, you can actually see the artwork in 3D everything oh, wow. was shot in 3D as well with yeah. new double lens cameras and things like that so it's going to and that's going to be a different thing for, for Lord of the Rings that it is filmed in 3D and they talked about the frame rate as well Scary thing is the frame rate. Frame rate, yeah. I'm scared of the frame rate. He's so scared of the frame I, rate. I really am. I've heard. I guess I've heard. Good, I've heard some good things though. You know, it's like it's, it's like they've cut a hole in the back of the cinema and you can see the real world. Or something. And that, and that's the crazy thing. That's that's, that's, that's how good. That's how good. Yeah, that that's completely true. That's that's how good the frame rates are. Because just by opening a frame rate makes it more real. Because the resolution is obviously a brilliant thing. So you want they want the highest resolution you can get. Um, most cinemas, are, I think, they film with red cameras, which either run in four or eight K. Yeah, you think the we, red cams. Yeah. Uh, you think we run at what we look at nineteen twenty by ten eighty is how is the best TVs. We're talking four thousand lines or Slow eight thousand lines. <laughs> oh, it's crazy. <laughs> it it's, is crazy. It's an, ima- it's an amazing thing. And then, and like, you think about the TV that you watch, you can up it to one hundred hertz. And if you watch a DVD, everything looks like it's in, like it's in fast forward when it's in, when you've got the the motion right. kind of things on there. And that's the difference. That's what it's going to be like when you watch this film. It is going to be like watching. It's going to be like watching a, a, sit, like a, a sitcom or a um, or a uh, like a soap opera because they're filmed in sixty frames, thirty frames, whereas we're used to twenty four. Um, yeah. So everything will be smooth and look very, very realistic. But what it also does, is it makes everything stand out. It means because it's because there's no there's no dreamlike quality of the twenty four frames. You can, you will you will notice everything. You will yeah. notice. You'll notice fake beards. You'll notice um, set you know, pieces. You notice and... set pieces. You'll notice the difference between something that's real and, what, and what's not. And that's that's the the thing. It's it's the it's the scary part of the three D effect is that to get to get the motion exactly right by doubling the frame rate, you will get smooth motion. It it will, it means less headaches when you're watching it. Watching them uh, means that everything will look more realistic. But it does also mean that. It will show up a lot, and people just aren't used to it. Yeah, yeah. it's going to take time for people to adapt yeah. to that kind of vision, the visuals that they're getting. So it, it will be like looking out. It's, the, the amazing thing is, and you were exactly right. It's going to be looking out, like looking out of your window at people walking past. The, the, right. The the frame rate will make it look as realistic as that. But do you see Gandalf walking down your street every day? And when you it's wa- the same when you, when you see uh, a behind-the-scenes footage of a scene being filmed, yeah. and it, you you see the real is the the real uh, the, I don't know how to put it the realistic view of the, that scene being shot. Yeah. But obviously through the camera and through the lens of, of said camera and, yeah. and filters and then digital editing software, mm. that's how it makes it look like the film that you see eventually, yeah. and then the frame rate 
brings into that into the camera exactly. as well. And you know, you know when you're watching a behind the scenes kind of thing, like even as opposed to the actual scene on the it. film. Yeah, yeah, if you were watching it at, like at your cinema or you're watching it on your on your TV, and you're watching the actual film, you could tell the difference. Then if someone shows you his special features behind the behind the, the scenes, because it's it's all it's faster motion, it looks different. So it looks like it's being filmed by a handicap. Yeah. And and that's the way that these film the, the, the frame rate will make it look like it. It will make it look so realistic as if like you are there. Which is which is a very brave thing to do when for the past hundred hundred and odd years we've been used to twenty four frames or lower. Right. Think about the hand cranks, you were never twenty four frames. And think about <laughs> God no. now, we've, we've discussed this, everyone so Exactly. So we yeah. have been on twenty four frames for as long as it is. It's it will be such a jarring experience. And, and, that's, and that's the thing. It's it's you'll be you'll be immersed in this film, and if you kind of let yourself go, it will look good in that kind of sense. But it does also mean that it's going to really split audiences. Yeah. So. And they talk about the red cams as well. They they had to apparently they had to paint all the facial prosthetics and makeups and all the trees and all the backgrounds in stark reds and and greens and blues apparently. So um, just to have the sort of carry over from the turn it into 3D yeah. which is interesting to see behind the scenes again yeah. so check check those videos out definitely because yeah. it's, it's really interesting to see the, the new tech that's been created to make this movie it's fascinating yeah and that's it there's, there's pioneers you've got, you've got your Peter Jacksons and, and your Jim Camerons and these are pioneers who don't forget Steven Spielberg uh, Steven Spielberg Tintin yeah and, and, and Ridley Scott um <laughs> Saying that though, bringing it back to Andy Circus, he's the motion capture don, isn't yeah, he? He's he's, he's, he's the, the he's the head guy. front of that whole yeah. technology. Really. That's it. He's the go-to guy. If you he's want the poster it, child. Then he is the person to do it because he's done so much of it. Yeah, he is the person who does it. Yeah. And he's done everything from King Kong and Planet of the Apes to he's done Gollum. Yeah. And now he's Tintin. Yeah, Tintin. And now he's uh, he's back second in the directing and stuff like that. So he's doing everything. So. It's gonna. It's. I, I feel safe in leaving the story in Peter Jackson's hands. Oh, definitely. Uh, no, no worries about that at all. The only, th- the worry I've got is the way it was filmed, and only because we're so we're, no one's going to be used to it. But I'm looking very forward to seeing this though. Oh yeah. I'm looking forward to this new frame rate. I want to see what this is going to look like. Yeah. You know. And it might it's a bit, but in in the end, it might be something that's all blown out in proportion anyway. Because yeah, because <laughs> one one thing is that by the time this film comes out, not every cinema will be able to show it in the frame rate that it's that's been shot. That's at. right. Most film, most, most places you'll go to will show it in your normal twenty four frames because it means um, upgrades to the, to, the, the, to, tech. The, to yeah. the tech to get to actually get it work. Um, I know that Sony four K. Um, their, their um, projectors are going to get a software update to do it, but it won't be everywhere, and you might have to travel a bit further to see it in the way that it was intended. Um, but I think that'll be a journey worth taking. Though. I was going to say, I, I th- yeah, I, I think it will be. I think it would be one of those where even if you go and see it at your local cinema um, at the twenty-four frames, so you, but so you get the so you can ease yourself into it perhaps. But it's one of those where you want to see it how the director intended it. Yes, of course. Uh, yeah. As with as with any film, whether it be a director's cut or whether it be um, in in this new new way with with different frame rates and in, in, in the 3D, it's going to be worth going to see it in the way it's intended, even if it does uh, throw up a lot of uh, questions and worries and yeah, if it's it's 
this, this, <clears throat> this is the vision, this is the future, this is where things are going, and let's see what, let's give it a chance. There you go. There you go, listeners. So when you're going out to see a film, just think about your frame rate, please. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and one more thing I want to flag up. People, I think, should be aware that The Hobbit is going to be a lot more comedic than The Lord of the Rings. Yeah. It's not. It's the same world, but it's it's a different story. It's going to be told differently. I've, I'm, I can just, I'm, I'm predicting this, Ben. I'm predicting this for the future, that when there's a bit of a backlash towards The Hobbit, it's going to be that, oh, it's too funny, or it's a bit silly yeah. at the beginning. That's what The Hobbit is. Yeah. Deal with if, you, if you've read the book, then you'll get it. Yeah. And that's, that's just the way it's going to be. It's, it's always been that way, and... You can't, you can't change too much of that. As we, as we've mentioned a couple of times in this podcast and previous podcast, it is, it is a children's book. Yeah, it is, it is a children's. It's book. a simpler story that started the ball rolling for the Lord of the Rings. Oh, sorry. So, so, so yeah, it's, it's going to be worth watching and and whatever is Peter Jackson is is the guy to, to to make this film and he's gone out and done it and let's go and watch it. Indeed. Roll on in December. Well, in December. Um, carrying on with Peter Jackson just for a minute, I just want to flag this film up. Uh, West of Memphis, have you heard about this? Uh, no, no, no. Um, it's a, a new, it's a new film. It's not. I think it's just been shown at a few festivals, Cannes and, and the like. Um, directed by a, a well newbie, Amy Berg. Uh, Peter direct, uh, Peter Jackson produced. Um, it's basically the story. I'm going to read uh, a thing off Wikipedia. Here. I'm not going to lie, because I'm no, not. I just thought this was interesting because this is a very different kind of film than what Peter Jackson's usually involved with. And it involved Peter Jackson and some of the writers getting involved in petitions and protests and yeah. all these sort of things. And I just thought it was really interesting to hear about somebody that's reached sort of the stature of Peter Jackson in terms of his, his directing. Yeah. And he's, he's sort of going all out on this, on this very small film. Um, to protest um, it's basically a film about the Memphis Three and it's um, I'll just read this thing here um, following from the original Paradise Lost have you ever seen that film Ben? Uh, yep. yeah Paradise Lost film uh, and it's two sequels West of Memphis follows the events of West Memphis Three a case in which three teenagers Damien Eccles Jason Baldwin and Jesse I can't even read that Miss Kelly Miss Kelly uh, were arrested for the murders of three eight-year-old children. Um, uh, the West Memphis Three were subsequently convicted of murder and remained in prison for more than 18 years, being released just prior uh, to the third Paradise Lost film. West of Memphis focuses on Tracy Hobbs, stepfather of Stevie Branch, one of the victims of the 1993 crime, and has a potential suspect due to physical evidence linking him to the crime and damaging statements made by his ex-wife, former neighbours, and most recently his own nephew, who claims Hobbs confessed to him. So basically they were wrongly convicted and sent down without any real evidence. And it's been... People have been protesting and, and trying to raise money to fight the legal battle yeah. to get them released. And I've, it just interested me that this new film has just come out... Um, West of Memphis, and it just involved Peter Jackson getting behind it in a real big way and actually yeah. uh, doing protests and things. I just thought it was kind of interesting. So I flagged that up. That's it's not. I think it's just to be, it's soon to be released. Yeah. So keep an eye out, West cool. of Memphis. Yeah, it's going at one of your smaller cinemas. Yeah, I'd, I'd say go to the quad maybe. Yeah. Keep an eye out for it. Yeah. Right, it's going there, yeah. There we go. Ben, over to you. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Been to see another film. Hey, that's what I like um, to hear. I saw uh, Ted. Ted, yes, the uh, Seth MacFarlane adventure, Family Guy thing. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if people, don't know if people, well, I assume people have seen the trailers. There's a couple of trailers out. There's the um, yeah. usual TV idents and whatever. I thought it looked kind of like funny, but it's you know, it's just it didn't it didn't strike me as the only thing I've got to say about it. It is it is funny. Um, if you like Family Guy, then then you should like this. It's uh, Seth MacFarlane who um, who directs it, and he also does the voice of uh, Peter Jackson in in, in uh, Family Guy. Yeah. And he is Peter the, Jackson. Peter Jackson. Peter Griffin. Peter Griffin. Who, who is Peter Jackson? <laughs> We've been talking about Peter Jackson for the last hour. That's Peter Jackson. <laughs> Seriously, I'm sorry. Peter Jackson. Who is Peter Jackson? Yeah, Peter Griffin. Peter Griffin. Yeah, Seth MacFarlane is the voice of Peter Griffin, not Peter Jackson. Um, and um, obviously, he's, he, he does the voice of Ted in this, and you kind of get. A crossover of that. It's hard right. to it's hard to to fully accept that obviously Ted isn't um, Peter Griffin because he's the okay. same because it's the same voice and you know it's directed by the same people so it's the same humour, same story. Kind of. It's actually sound the same. So voice. yeah, exactly the same voice. Oh right, okay, exactly the same voice. So, but it is it is funny. It's a, it's a, it's a well trod trod kind of story. But yeah, it's. With it's a, it's the Alf syndrome. It's just that kind of wisecracking, swearing counterpart. You yeah. know, it's either a teddy bear or an alien, like yeah. in Paul, for instance, yeah. the movie Paul. It's that kind of thing. That's it, and it's a it's a well trod kind of story in the fact that, um, but obviously with a teddy bear instead, that um, you've got Mark Wahlberg's character who's called John Bennett. He's with his girlfriend, who's played by Mila Kunis, and he's had this teddy bear since he was like, I don't know, like eight years old, something like that, since he was a little kid. Okay. And they've grown up together, and we can't. And Ted is a bit of is is a bit washed up. He used to be like quite, quite famous, um, because he's a talking bear. <laughs> <laughs> Do they give any reason for him to be in a talking yeah, bear? Yeah, um, is it like set in reality? Uh, yeah, John Bennett um, wishes for him to be his best friend, and he becomes and, and he and he's becomes, magically becomes alive. Oh, okay. So it's like a lightning bolt hit. Yeah, kind of thing. Oh, but not not lightning because they they hate their schedule of lightning and they do that Thunder Buddies song. Which if you've, you've seen the Red Band trailer, Thunder Buddies song. Yeah, they do a song about Thunder Buddies. Um, it's like fuck you, Thunder. You can suck my dick. Okay. So you kind of with that kind of thing <laughs> in the in the trailer, you can kind of get where this is going. Where what the kind of film is um, going to be? Yeah. Ted, uh, he does drugs. He sleeps with women. The, t the teddy bear? He does, yeah. Wow, okay. Bear, yeah. I, I, I strangely want to see this movie now. Yeah, so, and it's, it is funny. It is very funny. And like I say, if you, if you like Family Guy, you'll like this. Okay. Like I say, it's a well-trod story, but it's got, it's got heart as well. It's, it's, it's a nice film in that kind of sense that even though all this, uh, all this like, crazy stuff is going off, it's really funny, um, but like I say, it's got heart. And it's well worth a watch. It really is worth a watch. Okay. Um... So so yeah, it's it's like I say if you if that's your kind of humour, that's your kind of thing, you you you'll get on with it. You'll get on with it. So so yeah, it is, it is worth going to see. He's completely CGI bear as well, isn't it? He is, yeah. And um, there are a couple of times when he's an actual bear, like when he's um, asleep or dead or whatever. He's, he's like, dead. Well, before he becomes alive. He's <laughs> <laughs> when he's all right, yeah. When he's pre-Ted. <laughs> He is an actual teddy bear. But wow. yeah, there's some, some very funny scenes. I say he's on drugs all the time. 
Um, he's he's drinking, he's smoking. Oh dear. Um, I say sleeping with women. Not one for the kids then. Oh no, definitely not. What, rate, those, what rating is the film? Is it? A I think it's a fifteen. Yeah, I was gonna say it's got yeah, to be a 15, fifteen. Surely. So it's one that when you look at the posters, when you look at the I think you kind of it does look like it could be a, a kids' film. But yeah. I think that's the why they released the red band trailer so that you get a real view sense of sense of the film. So, yeah. So yeah. If, right. Obviously, if you you've got to be over eighteen to watch the red band trailer, but there it's on various websites on YouTube. Um, it's on the TED. Um, Ted's website as well, but it's well worth Ted.com. Oh yeah, Ted, Ted.com. I assume. <laughs> it may not be Ted.com, don't hold us to that. It no. may take some some other crazy sites, but no. But yeah, search for it and, and watch it and you'll get a feel of what it is. And it is and it's very funny. It's yeah. very funny. Nice. So so yeah, well worth well worth a watch. Like I say, it's, it's it's got a heart as well. So it's one that you can take your girlfriend to as well. You can be laughing at the dick and fart jokes, but she'll love the ending. It should the, be like of the, oh. of the film, you know? yeah. Not, not, yeah. Okay, we'll leave that there. Yeah, we'll leave that there. So yeah, <laughs> brilliant. You know what, Ben? With all this carry-on of, of hobbits and and Batman, um, I think it's time we we need to head into the blood bag. Actually, yes, we're getting on. Um, so here we go. The blood bag. Um, hi everybody and welcome to this week's blood bag. Yeah, and even I'm a part of this blood bag. You are, it's a special. Yeah. Um, this is going to be a bit of a callback to Piranha. Yeah. Not not the 1980 Piranha. No. Those great films. Yeah, these are the, it's the 3D Piranha films, the, the more recent ones. From... Yeah, they're bringing, they're bringing the 80s back, you know, we've discussed this on last week's show, it's, it's, yeah. it's all good, it's all coming back to the cinema where it should be, um, and these kind of films, the, the Roger Corman inspired, the yeah. sort of exploitation, gore films, they're coming back, and yeah. it's, 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 it's always a good thing, but we went to see uh, Piranha 3 Double D yeah. at the cinema a while ago. Yeah, and we've uh, just caught up with Piranha the first, 3D, the first one. The first one on yeah. DVD at Ben's house. Last night yeah. with our friend Jamie. That's Hello, right. Jamie. Hi, Jamie. Um, so yeah, we we watched the second one first and the first one second. Yeah, um, well, you know when you hear well, we talked about a couple of, of uh, like sci-fi channel movies. So it was one of those where we heard well, we kind of knew what was going off in 3D. Um, so we wanted to go see 3 D just because it sounded like loads of 3D. Double D fun. fun. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so we went to see that. So we actually saw that one first. Yeah. Um, but now we've seen the first one too. Yeah. First, second. Yeah. Um, it, it can be summed up in a few sentences. <laughs> um, over the top acting, mm-hmm. tits and ass, and piranhas and blood. Yeah. That's the film. That's the plot that of the film, the film and the description of the film and yeah. the basic synopsis of the film. That's it. And I think we'll we'll talk quite candidly about this and spoiler alert we're going to talk about everything <laughs> oh god we're going to talk about a lot now where should we start do you want to start with well, 3DD or do you want to start with 3D I, I think 3DD yeah we, we saw that first and that's I, I always heard that they, they're, they're both like I say sort of Corman inspired sort of trashy films and, and they know what they are yeah. they, they, they're purposely these films they, they know what they are and they're just a wink and nudge to the audience they call back to the 80s gore gore fests and it's just a bit of fun and um, but 
I always heard that the first one was superior to the second one, and yeah. I always thought, well, how can how can there be real superior films in terms of this sort of yeah. subject uh, matter? But um, the second one is more fun and more throwaway and more over the top than yeah. the first it's, one. It's the crank two of of Piranhas. Piranha films. Yeah. yeah. Whereas, Are there piranha films as a genre? <laughs> there seems to be now. <laughs> I think there's a one called Piranosaurus as well now, like a sci-fi channel. Wow, one. Piranosaurus. Yeah, that might be worth looking at. Yeah, I'll have to bring that up. And well, yeah, we need to get some more common films. But um, yeah. But three double D. Um, the thing yeah. is, it's it's like Evil Dead Two and Evil Dead One. Evil Dead One is trying to be a, a serious sort of. Uh, you know, serious horror movie, and, and Evil Dead Two is just a, it's all out laugh and, yeah. and just a good time, you know, and a couple of drinks and stuff. The gratuitous ass shots and breast shots in yeah. this movie are actually incredible from the get go. As in, credits are credits are opening up, and there are boobs just zooming on the nipples and, and breasts and it, yeah. ass, and and that is and that's all it's looking for, and just spend the entire time just like wow, and in three D, wow. Boobs, you could poke an eye out with some of those nipples. Oh yes, things can happen. Um, And then you've got the sort of, you know, (laughs) just ridiculous plot lines, you know. I mean, what are they? Are they sealed under a... I can't remember which one's which. Is it sealed under a glacier that cracks and it releases the prehistoric piranha that unleash on a... It's a water park, isn't it, in the second one? Yeah, the second one is a water park. And they they, isn't it the manager of the water park turns it into an X-rated water park with yep. uh, strip poles and does, uh, yeah. nude nude swimming and yeah. all the good stuff, you know, for, for obvious reasons. Yeah, and you think, how can piranhas get into a water park? How can piranhas get into a water park? So the guy decides that he doesn't want to pay for water. No. So he drills down into the, deep, deep down into a, and creates his own well, which happens to be full of piranhas. This manager, by the way, is the cowboy from Anchorman. Yeah. Whammy! Whammy! It's Whammy! Whammy! Yeah, I don't know his name. It doesn't matter. But, um, yeah, so there are, like I say, serious amounts of tits and ass. There's lots of death, lots of blood. Um, within, like, the first ten minutes, you've already got two people trying to hook up in a van. Yeah. Um, at which point, they, uh, they managed, uh, the guy manages to knock off the, uh, the uh, handbrake. Yeah. And the van rolls into the, uh, into the lake very, very slowly. Yeah. And this girl has no idea what's going on, and uh, yeah, it's just. Before that, though, Ben, you, you've you've skipped ahead that, that they pray in the back of the van for yeah, what they are about do. to do, and then she sort of finishes praying, and then she says the the, the great line, "Now fuck me." Yeah, which is and, um, there's lots of that kind of thing in there where they're like, "Oh yeah, I'm all I'm all virginal and stuff like that," but uh, gagging for it, gagging for the love, gagging for it. Um, and she she ties him. I think she handcuffs him she to to it. a bar or in in the in the van. Uh, and then puts the key in a in a in a brazier. That's right. And um, it manages to not the the van goes into the water. She decides that she can't find the key, so yep. she decides to get out the window and kind of leave this guy in the back of the van, drowning, drowning. Um, at which point piranhas come in and manage to chew his hand off. Yeah, which is quite a good thing because it means that he can now escape. He can now escape. Which for saying he can't break out of a pair of handcuffs, he does manage to smash through the rear window of a van with, with his, his stump. Stump. <laughs> <laughs> stump stump gore is brilliant. There's a so, uh, oh. there's so much gratuitous violence and blood and guts and um, sex. And the amazing plot point in this one 
uh, which John picked up on first of all was, oh, yes. was uh, I'm well tuned in. Quite a virginal girl. She's she's she is a virgin. She um, she's she's already decided the guy who's going to pop her cherry. That's and, quite um, She'd managed to lure him out into the lake and go swimming. He goes skinny dipping and whatever. Yeah, skinny dip. And there's some like um, and there's some of these really little tiny piranhas in in there, and they keep nibbling at her. She keeps getting little bites and stuff. Mm-hmm. And she thinks it's the guy who's doing Is that it. you? And uh, he's like, well, I'm not doing anything. And, yeah, these little, kind of little bites and stuff. Oh, whatever you're doing, I don't like it. And she quickly gets out. She gets out. Now, John calls us straight away. Yeah. And says, that piranha has just swum up her vag, basically. And um, that is exactly what happened. We're like, I'm like, really? I didn't even, I didn't even see that coming. I didn't and for the that. rest of the film, I was just on pause, waiting for the, yeah. the the vaginal scene. At which point, I now I make the call, and it sounds it sounds horrendous that this could actually happen, but it does. Um, <laughs> I think it's something inside it, and she wants to get it on with this guy, and I'm saying he's gonna get his dick bitten off by this piranha. Yep. And he does. Yes, he does. <laughs> in fine style. Because she's not very well at this point. She's this, a bit this, sick. This piranha that's inside her is making her a bit ill. So she's in bed, and she thinks she's dying at this point. So she tells him that she thinks she's dying, and, oh, I don't think I'm going to make it, so I don't want to die a virgin, so make love to me. And, and it's got to be said that it's done in the most outrageously wooden cardboard dialogue yeah. delivery ever. And... I don't know, maybe guys are more shallow and, 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 and more up for that kind of well. stuff. But to be honest, I don't know, she's hot, but I, I, if she's puking up and sweating and stuff like that, I don't know if I'd really want to go for it. But he decides to, and um, she gets into it quite quickly, saying she's a virgin, and she's saying, like, <laughs> fuck me now, and all this kind of stuff. All the profanities. And he's going for it, and then you can kind of tell that something ain't right. You can see the piranhas swimming around, like you can see him moving in her belly and stuff like that. And um, guess what? What? It chomps down on the end of his willy. It does indeed. It's a penectomy. Yeah, so it pulls it out, and there it is. There's a piranha on the end of his dick, and um, he doesn't really know what to do. Um, so he fumbles his way into the kitchen, gets a knife, and chops the end of his dick off. Yep. With a piranha attached to it. So, um, yeah. Um, he's not, so he's not having a great time with this. Um, and then it cuts later on, and like, like, it's still to do the same thing to this girl stumbling into someone's room and saying, "Whoever has just cut their cut the end of their dick off because something came out of my vagina." Yeah, it's a line that you would never ever think you would hear. Yeah, in anything real it just, life. It just cuts cinema. to Gary cut his dick off yeah. because a piranha came out of my vagina. Yeah, so it's it's. You, you just don't expect to hear so it. So that's it. It's, and this kind of crazy stuff carries on. And there's the, the Hoff makes an appearance. The Hoffman. Yeah, he's in this. And um, they and, and obviously these Doing piranhas it. do make it into the water park. And cause havoc. And uh, David Hasselhoff is a um, is there as a lifeguard, as himself. He, yeah. He's there as, as, a, as kind of like a... A celebrity there for the day. A celebrity in quotation marks. But he loves. But it turns out that he loves it that because there's a, this kid comes up to him. He's also named David and doesn't know who he is. He, he now this kid is the best kid in the world because he loves him because he's like, oh yeah, well you don't know who I am, so you think I'm an actual lifeguard, so this is great. 
Um, <laughs> so lots of people get eaten by piranhas. Yeah. Um, there's lots of in blood, various different lots ways. Lots of guts. Lots of just like um, bony legs left everywhere. And um, yeah, without going into every single death. No, Ving Rhames though. Oh, apart from Ving Rhames now. Ving Rhames was in the first one, uh, which we'll come to. But in he, well, we might as well say in the first one. But you think he dies, um, but he doesn't. He just ends up getting his bottom half bitten off. His legs, don't um, So he's there in a wheelchair, and the yep. guy keeps trying to tip him into the water because he's scared of the water, and he wants him to chuck himself into the water so he get over his fear, but then won't. Yeah, um, but then the piranhas appear, and he says, "Bring me my legs." So he does. He That's a good impression, some, by the way. Then brings him some metal legs. Which happened to have shotguns, shotguns attached, attached to him. <laughs> so he's got fake fake legs with shotguns, with shotguns on, and he goes into the water, yeah. gun toting away, and, and some, all that out. Yeah, it's a bit of a battle that goes off. It's yeah. uh, it's one of those kind of movies. I think you've got a feel for it now. Um, and it yeah. does lead on to a third film. It does indeed. And um, there's a bit where we, are we, we spoiling t- this for the listeners, Ben? Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Yeah, but I think we, we, we said we'd talk about it. This is this, uh, basically we, halfway through the film, um, you find out that uh, the, uh, that uh, Christopher Doc, Lloyd, Christopher Lloyd, Doc yeah, Brown, Doc yeah. Brown thinks that the um, the piranhas are going to grow legs, and by the end of the film, they do. They the do. crawls out of the water, and little David's taking a picture. The little child. Yeah, and his mum's like, "No, you can't get too close." And he's like, "Oh, well, the, t- the dead slow on land." At which point, this fish dives out off the floor and rips his head off. Yeah, clean off. And he falls to the floor. And then you've got really funky music while the uh, while the end credits cut in yeah, over the top of the uh, boy's body the twitching, body, which yeah. is quite nice. I, I appreciate that. And that's yeah. that's Piranha Three Double that's D. Three Double D. Now, that's like I said, we saw we saw that one first. So it intrigues us for the second one. Yeah, uh, the fast, first one. Fast forward to last night at Ben's house yeah. and beer and good, all sorts and of. This was the perfect film to watch. Yes. When, when you when you kind of this is the kind of film like that with most sci-fi channel films. Although this isn't a sci-fi channel film, um, you want to watch it. With a couple of beers and a couple of mates. Yes, these are the films you have to. Yeah, there's just gratuitous. There's boobs everywhere. Kelly Brook is in the first one. The lovely oh. Kelly Brook. Um, it's it's a better made film though. It's it, a it, brilliant it, film. It, it's it's trying to be it's trying to be that sort of uh, exploitation, uh, over the top kind of film, but it, it's it is better made. The yep. gore effects are so much better, and yep. there's there is more of a story and more characters that actually are not. I wouldn't say too, you know, they're still cardboard, mm. but they're, they're, they're it's done well. It's done better, I think. Yeah, and it's it's a there's some seriously good effects in this one. Gore oh, effects, some incredible um, kills and people with like legs getting like saying, shredded. You just got bones. Yeah, um, a guy, another guy gets his dick bitten off. Yeah. Um, but uh, we've got to talk about that pedectomy. Oh, it's, that's I was not expecting that. It's one of those where in the because in the second one you do see the tip of his penis like lay there on the kitchen floor, um, but in the first one, <laughs> you see, um, this guy Derek is trying to get out of the pool. He's a bit of he's a, he's, I think he's like a filming porn and stuff like that. He's a porn and, director, yeah, um, on a boat. He's, he gets falls into the water and he's trying to get out, and the piranhas attack him and. To, Kelly Brook manages to drag him out of the water, at which point he's, he's a top half and he's a skeleton bottom half. But he's still alive. But he's still alive. And, he's, <laughs> and the only thing he's worried about is his dick. Yeah. And at which point... Cut we, to. We cut to the water where a girl has also been eaten and you see her 
um, silicon boobs float, float up, float upwards, <laughs> and you see his his penis, his full on yeah. uh, severed penis, float down. And this isn't like the it's a close up. It's a close up. It's a whole penis. No balls, but it's a whole penis. Doesn't the, the, the piranha eat it and then? And they put, so it's floating down, and two piranhas fight over it, ripping the, ripping it to pieces. One swallows it, and then burps it back up. Yeah. And with bites out of it, and oh. it's all mouldy and horrible. There you go, listeners. That is what you you expect. Yeah. And there's and I said there's some some brilliant effects in this film. Um, it's really really good. It's fun. It's, it's a wink and a nudge, yeah, you know. You're not expecting a, an Oscar winner here. You're expecting no. a, a, a very silly film, and you get that. Yeah. And the f- the first film is definitely better than the second one. It, it I think it made us appreciate this, the first one more because it made the second one not feel too bad because we haven't seen the first one. But if you'd it's, be dis- you'd be disappointed with the second one after watching the first one, you would be because it's, although it's meant to be silly, it's not. It's just not as good. But um. They are just silly films. <laughs> they're just fun. Yeah. They're, they're a wink and nudge at the audience. You know, just have a drink, it's yeah. fine. You know you're not taking it seriously. Yeah. And, you know, I, I love these. I love the fact that these films are out. And I love the fact that these genre, these sorts of silly genres, these, yeah. these exploitation genres, are being given a budget and taken yeah. out there. Like I say, Piranha 3D and Piranha 3 D is a Roger Corman film on a budget. Yeah. And I think it's great that these films are getting budgets. You know, yeah. That, that these... And again, like with the Friday the Thirteenth and and all those films, they're getting made and, and yeah. mainstream, which B, is uh, yeah, nice to see. It seems like B movies are coming back. With yeah, vengeance. yeah. And I think because people like watching some crappy no-brainer films, then this is what this is what you want to see. It's it's the kind of crossover. Where, the reason it's become so popular is because there are so many films out there that try to be try to be blockbusters, but. Are, are really really bad. So, but they don't realise they're bad. Yeah. Um, and that makes a bad film. Whereas these films know what they're doing. They know yeah. they're not making a they great film. They, they know they're being silly. They know there's nothing much much to it. So, because it doesn't take itself seriously, you don't take it seriously, and it's a good watch. So, so yeah, Piranha 3D and Piranha 3D, definitely worth a watch. Nice. That's the end of this week's blood bag, guys. Thank you for joining me on this week's blood bag, Ben. It was uh, it was interesting. Yeah, it was, a, it was an interesting ride. There we go. Beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> right. Um, what's left, Ben? Um, I know that you. Well, I think I said for for films to talk about that we've seen. Um, but I know you've seen. I know you've got a, a trailer for us to watch. Yes, I have. Um, there's a new Ang Lee film coming out, based on a book. By Yean Martel, called The Life of Pi. I've heard of The Life of Pi. I've heard of the book The Life of Pi. I didn't know, I didn't yeah. know anything about that or the films. It's uh, it basically tells the story of a, a shipwrecked boy um, finding a raft, and uh, the raft contains a tiger. Okay. And that's the story. But it's apparently, uh, and I've been told most recently by my partner that it's an incredible book. An absolutely incredible book that yeah. everybody should buy and read, um, and I've heard of a lot of um, intrigue over the internet about the actual movie and the trailer. I saw the other night, and it looks incredible. So I just wanted to sort of flag that up and maybe give it a watch, Ben. Cool. Yeah, let's get it on. One of it.
very wet. Ooh, zebra there. Yeah. This is a very ambiguous story. You only know the basic. You know that there's a boy on a boat with with a tiger, and that's 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 your lot, really. I mean, you have to read the book or or see the film to get more. I think. That reminds me of uh, episode one of Star Wars. I wonder what the Gungan it. City. Yeah. I just, it's very beautiful visuals you've seen here. Skylines and water. It's beautiful. It almost looks very uh, fantastical, you know. It's... The effects on the tiger look good. Yeah, really they do look good. Kind of reminds me of uh, Avatar. Yeah, it's, it's a whale. Wow. Life of Pi. There we go. That's the trailer. Interesting. It's, it's interesting. Yeah, different. It, yeah. Different kind of film. I think you can expect to see. So that's coming soon. People need to uh, keep an eye on that. Definitely. Um. Uh, another thing I want to bring up, Ben, is, is a plug for another show, I think. Okay. It's about time we started doing this and spreading the love. That's right. Um, we've just I've just had some um, back and forth in on, on the Facebook page from uh, Jerry Ebert. He runs a podcast called Horror Movie Podcast. Cool, yeah, I've seen him on there now. Yeah, uh, you know, it's a really cool guy. And I've checked his podcast out and it's, uh, it's pretty cool. It's yeah. pretty good. Um, I suppose you're the, the resident well, horror movie kind of aficionado well, of, this, of this podcast. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I'm very selective about the actual podcast that I listen to. I only listen to maybe uh, a handful, you know, five or six podcasts that I think are of a good enough quality. And uh, Horror Movie Podcast is on one of those lists. They're on, I, I subscribe now and I listen every week. Yeah, they're, they're good. They, 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 they've got a good bulk of knowledge. They discuss all kinds of films, not just horror, but genre films as yeah. well. So there's that. And they have a good rapport. And there's just they, they they sort of get into certain items within a movie that they'll discuss that take them on subject matter away from films altogether, on tan on just sort of tangents and then they'll come back and yeah. so it's just it's really it's a it's a fresh podcast it's, it's it's good to listen to and I think if you're a horror fan or a genre fan you'll find this really entertaining and that's the horror movie podcast at hmmpod.com uh, check them out because they're really good give them a, a subscribe. Well, yeah, it's well, it's well with us, and we've all got, we're all out for each other. We all yeah, help each other out. And... It's a community, I'd like to think. That's you know, it. So, yeah, um, yeah, I just wanted to bring that up. Uh, and I don't know if I can be cheeky, Ben, and plug my upcoming movie. Go on, John. I'm working on a film, ladies and gentlemen, and it's a short project that's taking place in the Midlands. And if you are within the Midlands, Leicestershire, Derby, Nottingham, 
and you might be interested, you need to look up Outland on Facebook. That's my film project I'm working on. I'm not going to say any more, and I'm not going to keep bringing it up. I just thought I'd bring it up that one time. Well, yeah, it's, 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 on our, it's on our Facebook as well. We keep putting it on there. So yeah. it's something to get involved in way over summer. So Yeah, it's just something I'm working on. So uh, I'd, I'd like to think that anybody listening might, might feel the need. Yeah. So there we go, Outland. Um, but that's enough shameless program now, Ben, <laughs> I think. I'm, I'm getting red-faced. I'm getting very embarrassed. Um, if our listeners, Ben, would just like to get in touch with us genuinely. Yep. Gen- gen- genuinely. Gen- genuinely. Where, what, what would they need to be doing? We have our Facebook page. We do, Facebook. Um, Pan and Scan Podcast. We have Twitter. We tweet. We, we tweet. We twat. We tweet. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> I didn't even realise what I was saying at that point. Um, Which we're is? at Pan and Scan Derby. At Pan and Scan Derby. And we're also Pan and Scan Podcast at Google Mail or gmail.com. 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 Is that what it sounds for? Google Mail. It does, yeah. So, uh, so, so reaches reach at either, but Pan and Scan Podcast at gmail.com. So, yeah, we tweet, we face, and we e. Yeah. As always, as so. always, Ben. Um, so yeah, looking forward to some upcoming episodes. Got some good ideas, some yeah. uh, tasty bits of meat to come up. That's right. Yeah. And as, as usual, keep us keep us updated with what what you want us to talk about, what you want us to watch, and uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll get chatting about that too. We always appreciate it. But uh, so until next week, it's goodbye from me, John, and goodbye from me, Ben. Well, hey, bye. And caverns old The pines were roaring On the high The winds were moaning In the night The fire was red It flaming spread I cannot guarantee his safety. Understood. Nor will I be responsible for his fate. You'll have a tale or two to tell when you come back. Can you promise that I will come back? No. And if you do, you will not be the same. My name is Bilbo Baggins. Baggins's. What is that? Baggins's. Precious.